SCCT would like to thank HeartFlow, provider of the HeartFlow FFRCT analysis, for its sponsorship of the Donut of Destiny podcast. Precision Heart Care is available to patients at hundreds of hospitals across the globe through the use of coronary CTA and the HeartFlow FFRCT analysis. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Donut of Destiny, the podcast on all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Praveen Ranganath, and I am a radiologist in Dallas, Texas, in the United States. Hi, everyone, and my name is Nidhi Madan. I'm a structural heart disease fellow at Rush University in Chicago in the United States. And thank you all for tuning in today. Nidhi, this episode marks the beginning of the next season of our podcast, and with that new season come some new voices. We are excited to have on the podcast with us our friends Suvasani and Kashif. Hey, y'all, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Suvasani Lakshmanan. I'm a cardiology fellow at the University of Iowa in the United States. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Parveen and Nidhi, for having me. My name is Kashif Sheikh, and I'm a cardiology fellow at Creighton University, Omaha, Nebraska. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining us. All right, let's jump right into our episode then. As many in the cardiovascular imaging community are already aware, the new 2021 Multi-Society Chest Pain Guidelines were recently published on October 28, 2021. This widely anticipated document is one of the first, if not the first set of guidelines centered around a symptom and not a diagnosis. That's right, Praveen. Although mostly focused on coronary artery disease, these guidelines provide insight on the diagnosis and management of a wide variety of other cardiovascular pathologies that may cause stable and acute chest pain. Precisely, Nidhi. And as expected, cardiac CT plays a major role in these guidelines. That's right. And on today's episode, we will discuss the history, perspective, and implications of these guidelines through the lens of cardiac CT. We will split our talk into stable chest pain and acute chest pain, similar to how the guidelines are broken down. So Vasini and Praveen, why don't you guys start us off? Of course, let's begin these new guidelines by talking about stable chest pain. Praveen, what was the landscape of cardiac CT in stable chest pain immediately prior to the publication of these documents? Well, Subhasini, cardiac CT has made its way into many previous guidelines and statements related to stable chest pain. The two largest that I'd like to mention are the 2012 Multi-Society Guidelines on Stable Ischemic Heart Disease as well as the 2016 NICE guidelines update. The 2012 guidelines assigned coronary CTA a class two recommendation with a B to C level of evidence for diagnosing ischemic heart disease, primarily for its use in intermediate risk patients who cannot exercise. The 2016 update to the UK's NICE guidelines expanded the scope of CT stating that coronary CT should be offered as a first-line test for all comers with stable chest pain. Yes, and this was also followed by the 2019 ESC guidelines on chronic coronary syndromes, where coronary CTA 
is the preferred test in patients with a lower range of clinical likelihood of CAD and no previous diagnosis of coronary artery disease. Outside of the guidelines, the use of coronary CT for stable chest pain has dramatically increased in the U.S. as evidenced by Medicare claims data from the past decade. Beyond coronary CTA, any comments on calcium scoring? Well, Subhasini, in stable chest pain, the 2012 guidelines assigned a class 2 level of evidence C for calcium scoring in low to intermediate risk patients that cannot exercise. You know, anecdotally, I will say that calcium scoring has not taken off to the same degree as coronary CTA in low risk stable chest pain patients, though its use obviously continues to flourish in the asymptomatic population. Excellent, Praveen. Now let's move on to the new 2021 chest pain guidelines. These guidelines divide patients with stable chest pain into those without known coronary artery disease and those with known coronary artery disease. Of those without known coronary artery disease, the patients are further stratified into low, intermediate, and high clinical risk. Right, Savasani. So for patients without known coronary artery disease, coronary CTA was upgraded to a class 1 level of evidence A recommendation in intermediate and high-risk patients for the diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment planning in coronary artery disease. This represents a big bump in support for CTA from those 2012 guidelines. However, this recommendation is still a little shy of the 2016 NICE guidelines, which recommend CTA for pretty much all comers regardless of risk. Praveen, our community shouldn't be surprised by this huge boost in support of CTA given all of trials data from Promise, Scott Heart, Ischemia, Conserve, and others. I will note that stress testing also received a class 1 indication for intermediate to high-risk patients, and the guidelines document includes a great discussion on how to select between CTA and stress testing in stable chest pain. Agreed, Savasani. Figure 6 in the guidelines document actually summarizes this exact discussion, and that figure is great. You know, although comparative data between different modalities isn't actually all that robust. The general thinking is that coronary CTA is better in younger patients in whom less obstructive disease is suspected, and stress testing is better in older patients where more obstructive disease is suspected. And test selection also depends on institutional expertise. Of course, the decision doesn't have to be binary. Sometimes there is no wrong answer, but rather two right answers when approaching patients with stable chest pain. Exactly. Okay, next, I want to talk about a newcomer to the guidelines game, FFRCT. Ah, yes. So for patients who have undergone CTA and have a 40 to 90% stenosis in a proximal to mid-segment of a vessel, the guidelines issue a class 2A indication for use of FFRCT with a level of evidence B and R. This decision was informed by a multitude of trials and registry data, including Platform, NXT, and Advanced. This recommendation will certainly cause a stir, Savasni. Those studies you mentioned have certainly demonstrated the accuracy, safety, and cost-effectiveness of FFRCT for appropriately selected patients. That said, 
we should keep in mind that there is only one FDA-approved clinically available FFRCT product in the United States. Medicine, you know, it is an artful combination of science, industry, and patient goals, as we all know. All right, Praveen, don't wax too poetic on me, but your point is well taken. It will be interesting to see how these recommendations and upcoming trials in FFRCT influence its use. Okay, we have focused on intermediate and high-risk stable patients. How do the guidelines address cardiac CT in low-risk patients? The guidelines actually do not describe a role for coronary CTA in the low-risk patients, presumably because the cost-benefit is currently unfavorable, and we just don't have a lot of data for CTA in low-risk patients. Deferring any additional testing is the way to go for low-riskers with a Class 1 recommendation. Alternatively, calcium scoring is an option for low-risk patients with a Class 2A level of evidence BR recommendation. That decision was informed by data from the Crescent and Promise trials. This recommendation is a minor bump in reality from the 2012 guidelines. And I noticed that calcium scoring also received a class 2A recommendation in patients with mild ischemia identified at stress testing. What do you make of this, Praveen? Yeah, so this decision was informed mostly by nuclear medicine registry studies around the end of the 2000s. My takeaway here is that calcium scoring can unmask potentially significant coronary artery disease that might be downplayed at stress testing. Very interesting. I sense there is a lot more nuance to the use of calcium scoring in conjunction with stress testing, particularly in light of the recent buzz around age-dependent accuracy of calcium scoring. Oh, Savasani, that is a whole can of worms that is being actively debated as we speak. In brief, y'all, Savasani is referring to the apparently lower diagnostic accuracy of coronary calcium scoring in younger patients from the Western Denmark Registry Study. But why don't we save that debate for a future episode? Fair enough, Praveen. Let's move on to stable chest main patients with known coronary artery disease. Where does cardiac imaging fit in here? First off, the guidelines may shift the concept of what it means to have known coronary artery disease. Many prior schools of thought describe known CAD as obstructive CAD only. However, these guidelines specify that any plaque, non-obstructive and obstructive, constitute known CAD. More inclusive for sure. Yeah, that's right. So for patients with non-obstructive CAD and persistent symptoms despite medical optimization, both coronary CTA and stress testing have a class 2A recommendation. FFRCT plays a role here too for appropriately selected patients with a class 2A recommendation. And how about for patients with non-obstructive CAD? So there are two areas where coronary CTA plays a role here. First, coronary CTA can identify patients with so-called high-risk disease. That is to say, left main disease or a positive FFRCT. Those with high-risk disease may go down the invasive angiography pathway, while those without may go down the stress testing pathway. Second, coronary CTA has a class 2A indication with a level of evidence BNR for evaluating patients with prior cabbage or stents bigger than three millimeters in diameter. 
the syntax and revolution trials are to credit here for informing this decision about the value of CTA in the setting of priority vascularization. However, this is only a minimal bump in support from the 2012 guidelines where CTA had a class 2B indication. That was an excellent overview, you guys. How about we now move on to acute chest pain? Kashif and Praveen, can you guys help us go through this? Of course, Nidhi. Similar to stable chest pain approach, the guidelines divide patients with acute chest pain into those without known CAD and with known CAD. But before we dive into the specifics, can you set the stage for us, Praveen? What did previous guidelines say about cardiac CT in acute chest pain settings? So, Kashif, unlike with stable chest pain, as we discussed earlier, there aren't too many recent guidelines documents that discuss the role of cardiac CT in acute chest pain. The most relevant guidelines date back to the 2010 ACC-AHA Appropriate Use Criteria document. Based on the Akron-PA and CT-STAT trials, the document stated that, quote, it is appropriate to use cardiac CT in low and intermediate pretest probability patients, unquote. So I'll note here that this 2010 document was published before many subsequent landmark ED coronary CTA trials like Romicat 2, Beacon, Catch, and Prospect. Ah, so enter 2021 chest pain guidelines. Based on the trials that Pervin just mentioned and more, coronary CTA was promoted to a class 1 level of evidence A recommendation in the evaluation of intermediate risk patients without known CAD. This is a testament to extremely high negative predictive value of coronary CTA in acute setting and extremely low likelihood of adverse events following emergency department discharge. Once again, Kashif, no big surprise here for the cardiac imaging community on this recommendation for coronary CTA. The document goes on to suggest a two-year warranty period free of adverse events for patients discharged from the ED without disease on a CTA. Now, compare this to a one-year warranty period for a negative nuke scan. This two-year warranty period is based on pretty old Romicat 1 data and I think is quite conservative, particularly compared to the five- to seven-year warranty period for a negative CTA in the stable chest pain world. Adverse events is one thing, but one wonders about the impact of coronary CTA in the emergency department on patient survival. Now, in stable chest pain, data from Scott Hart and confirmed supports claim about coronary CTA and mortality benefit. However, we don't have data at present to stake any claims about ED, cardiac CTA, and mortality benefit. Right, Parveen? That's well said, Kashif. Ultimately, the strength of CTA in acute chest pain remains the super low event rate with a normal scan. Right. So what about indeterminate or obstructive stenosis identified on CT? The guidelines give a class 1 recommendation for invasive angiography in patients with either left main or left main equivalent disease found on CTA, referred to as high-risk CAD in the document. If high-risk CAD is not present, the guidelines offer a discussion on the role of FFRCT, stress testing, and goal-directed medical therapy. Of note, FFRCT has a class 2A recommendation with a level of evidence BNR, the same as with stable chest pain. The majority of the data supporting FFRCT, though, come from stable chest pain populations, 
save for some pioneering work from the Beaumont Group and a sub-study of Romicat 2. One thing I want to touch on here, Parveen, is the turnaround time of FFRCT. You know, turnaround times for FFRCT analyses are higher stakes in acute setting than in stable setting. So it's important for clinicians to consider the, this FFRCT turnaround time in triaging patients and determining ED length of stay. Okay, Kashif, let's briefly touch on intermediate risk patients with previously diagnosed disease presenting with acute chest pain. Right. So the crux of the decision here lies on whether the patient has known obstructive disease or non-obstructive disease. Now, cardiac CTA has a class 2A recommendation for those with non-obstructive disease, while stress testing has the same recommendation for those with obstructive disease. I would like to point out that our discussion thus far on acute chest pain has centered around patients without flagrant ECG abnormalities or troponin elevations. That's right, Parveen. The guidelines specifically refer readers to STEMI and NSTEMI guidelines for management of such patients, and no specific role of cardiac CT is mentioned here. Although coronary CTA is understandably absent from current NSTEMI management guidelines, there are data supporting its potential use in triage and treatment planning from the Verdict and Carmenta trials. Ultimately, though, these data just aren't robust enough yet to include CT in the management of NSTEMI patients. Parveen, these guidelines are, you know, yet another step in ever-expanding march of cardiac CT use across the world. Now, in light of this, we need well-trained imagers to keep up with increasing cardiac CT demands. And I anticipate that many imaging trainees will come not only from residency and fellowship programs, but also from already practicing radiologists and cardiologists. That is exactly right, Kashif. The need for strong cardiac CT education is more important now than ever. We actually covered the current landscape and logistics of cardiac CT education on a previous episode of this podcast. So listeners, check that one out when you get the chance. That was a fantastic review of the guidelines, everyone. Before we finish, can we chat about what the future might have in store for us in light of these new guidelines? Yeah, Nidhi. So like many documents beforehand, the role of imaging in these guidelines relies on clinical risk stratification tools like the heart score and the ESC calculator. However, I can envision a world where we move past some of these clinical risking tools. You know, the data supporting many of these calculators is somewhat conflicting in how accurate they are at predicting these downstream events. Sure, Praveen. You know, clinical risking is not a perfect tool, but it is easy to perform and hence its widespread use. But perhaps this conversation will change in the future as the availability and economics change for calcium scoring and coronary CTA. So, Asini, what are your thoughts? Nidhi, I'd like to mention one of the knowledge gaps the guideline authors themselves identify, and that is the concept of INOCA or ischemia with no obstructive coronary artery disease. Although potentially related to microvascular disease, we do not presently have a strong understanding of the underlying disease processes of INOCA. Yep, that's true, Savasini. You know, the authors do offer a pathway for identifying suspected INOCA, 
with non-invasive myocardial blood flow reserve techniques as well as invasive techniques. That being said, Inoka is an area of active research, and we expect that the management of Inoka is going to evolve in the future. Thanks for bringing this up, Suvasini. Let's move to Kashif. Kashif, what are you looking forward to in the future of CT in chest pain management? Nidhi, regarding CT interpretation, the guidelines focus primarily on stenosis degree and, when applicable, FFRCT. However, there is no described role of advanced plaque characterization in the management of either stable or acute chest pain patients. Hmm, that's right, Kashif. And by advanced characterization, are you referring to things like vulnerable plaque features and plaque quantification? That's right, Nidhi. I would argue that many recent studies have identified an emerging role of advanced characterization in prognosis for both stable and acute chest pain. That's right, Kashif. You know, as I remember, that those studies were sub-analyses of some of the major trials and registries that we mentioned earlier. But at this point, I think we're still lacking prospective data on the impact of advanced plaque characterization on CAD management and outcomes. So, Nidhi, I guess the same can be said for other advanced CT techniques like CT perfusion as well. Yeah, that's right. And the data supporting clinical CT perfusion is still in its nascency, particularly comparing to other stress imaging modalities. I'm sure plaque characterization, CT perfusion, and other advanced CT techniques will find their way into future guidelines as the science progresses. Just look at the progress FFRCT has made. That's right. There is a lot to look forward to in the future. Well... That just about wraps up our review of the recent Multi-Society 2021 Chest Pain Guidelines. Suvasini and Kashif, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was our pleasure, Nidhi. Thank you to you and Praveen for having us. Yes, thank you very much for having us on board, Praveen and Nidhi. Of course, the pleasure is ours, and we are looking forward to hearing more from y'all on future episodes of the podcast. And to our listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, if you like what you hear from us on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Once again, this is the Donut of Destiny. Cheers. Thank you to our sponsor, HeartFlip, for their support of this podcast. HeartFlow is working to help clinicians across the globe recognize that coronary CTA is central to delivering precision heart care to patients. HeartFlow is revolutionizing precision heart care with the HeartFlow Analysis, a non-invasive personalized cardiac test that combines 30 years of human ingenuity and advanced technology. To learn more, visit www.heartflow.com.